We are in the second week of a series that we are calling Men On. Come on, Men On. And last week, I honestly don't watch this sermon, but I'm saying like you should almost like pause time, go back and watch Pastor Martin's sermon because that sermon, honestly, we should be watching that again today. Pastor Martin taught a message last week where he literally unboxed the meaning and the genesis of men. My assignment today and what I'm hoping is that I can kind of like carry on. Like as a son, I, I never want to be as good as my dad. I want to be better. Okay, it's going to be a rough ride. Okay, I, I don't want to be better than him. I want to be greater because the greater I am, the more weight I can carry, which means I can carry him. In. There are some things that like he wasn't able to do that I have to be strong enough to like literally pick him up and toss him into. That's the role of a son. So if you're a man and you're feeling some type of way, this is the sermon that some people would say, turn it off, but I need you to lean in this morning, right? So if you've got a two-year-old, a three-year-old, an unborn son, they need to hear this because this is going to be the pivotal turning point of what turns them into a man. You do not become a man once you have responsibility. The word of God says that the minute that you were thought of, you had a responsibility. Pastor Martin spoke last week, and he says responsibility isn't something that you acquire. Responsibility is something that inquires of you. It asks you, what are you going to do with me? So what happens in, in our world, I'm already teaching. Like, I'm already in it. They, they think it's the intro, like, but this is it, right? So like, what we have to understand as men is that we have a responsibility that's different than the opposite sex. It's not greater. It's not more powerful. It's not better. It's not more perfect. But it comes first. Remember, one, then two, then three, then four, then five, which means that there is a step and a process that God has us to follow so that we can learn how to be men. You aren't just a man. It's something that you have to learn. But before I get into my message, I got to do something pretty bold. So before I am a, a pastor, I'm a black man that happens to be a pastor. And I just want to make sure that y'all know that it's still hashtag everything else that you've seen on social. Okay, y'all get quiet. That's fine. I'm not doing this for you. Uh, actually, I am doing it for you because we built a place of love, hope, dominion, and power for who? Everyone. So we fulfill, okay, wake up, y'all. So we fulfill that purpose of being a multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church by standing up for all injustice, right? Like, like, so today, I just have to make sure that you know that, yes, we're talking about men, but it's still hashtag everything else that's going on in the world. Children are dying. We have, we have immigrants that are in Mexico that are literally in boxes and cages, people being shot in the street. So, like, yes, we have this ability to live this free life, but the kingdom message means absolutely nothing if one person on this earth is in, living in injustice. That's our job. It's our prerogative. Remember what we talked about when I was teaching last time. When you accepted Jesus into your life, you took every opinion that you had about anything and you gave it to him. And he gave you his opinion, which was it doesn't matter what it is, whatever creed, whatever race, whatever culture, however old they are, that's what our job is. And the reason why we're losing our men and losing our boys is because we haven't made a stance that is singular. We'll let these other things raise our children. We'll let these other things raise our young men because my job, my only responsibility was to have fun for a little bit and have a baby and be there at the birth. But after that, my responsibility lies. No, sir. Your responsibility started when you were conceived. I need more on the monitor, please. Okay, let, 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 me, let me just go to the sermon because... You know, it's going to be a rough one. Today's going to be a little bit rough. But you raise boys a little bit different than you raise girls. Okay. There's equality between the sexes. Yes, they have the same power, but the way in which you raise them has to be different. Or you're going to get a different product. So let me tell you a story. So uh, 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 I, I had this uh, conversation with my dad before uh, Vanessa and I got married. 
And um, a lot of people wanted to be at the wedding and um, a lot of people wanted to be a part of the process. And because of things that happened, you know, some people that want to be there, they can't. And then COVID happened and like, it's, it's tough. Um, but the cool thing is that Vanessa and I created a community for our marriage before we got married. So we didn't have to sit in front of a room full of people to feel supported. We built the support before I got on the knee. Okay. So, so what that means is that I knew that, like, when I was marrying her, I wasn't just making a commitment to her, but I was making a commitment to, like, our children's 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 children by saying I wanted to be with her, right? So before we get married, my dad, like, if any of you really know Martin, not Pastor Martin, but Mar Pastor Martin is nice and he's suave and he's cool and he's collected. Martin ain't that guy at all. Martin is a father first and a pastor second. He's a mother. No, he's a father. He's a husband, then a father, then a pastor, right? A lot of ministries, I think, are being, mm, are, are falling apart because I'm a pastor who happens to be a husband and a father. So I'm a pastor first. If I can get to being a husband, I will be. And if I can get to be a father, then maybe that's the third to last part. I got a suit on today, so I'm about my business like my pop said. So I'm coming for your neck this morning, Right? But then we understand that when God created heaven and earth, he didn't just take his God hat off. He was God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit at the same time. He's omnipotent, which means that he can stand in three different lanes and operate all at the same time. So if we only treat our children, our men, our boys, just to be father, we're making them singular. Your only function is to create children. But if I teach you that you have other lanes, you're supposed to be a businessman. You're supposed to be a father. You're supposed to be a brother. You're supposed to be a resource. Now they realize my only job on earth isn't just to reproduce people, but it's to reproduce, reproduce worlds. Come on, say words with me. So we're sitting there, and my dad, like, he wasn't Pastor Martin on my wedding day. He was that guy. And we're having a conversation, and he's helping me get together. And he says, all right, now you know today you die. And I'm like, Huh? He said, all things have passed away, and here comes this new thing. I'm like, oh, bet. I'm going to be a new creature. Because I think you can be so earthly good in the world, in the word, that, like, you're no spiritual good. I was like, oh, I'm a new creature. I'm going to be a new person. He is so lit. I'm about to be married. He's like, no, 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 no. When you say I do, you will be buried under the ground, and your wife will stand on top of you. I'm like, wait a minute. So have y'all ever seen Shark Tale? So there's mackerel. There's plankton. There's, there's whale poo, and then there's you. Like, my dad was saying, like, you're beneath the poo. Like, get the revelation. Like, he's like, it's, it's not you standing next to your wife like they do on the wedding cake. The job of a husband is to lay underneath the ground that she's on. Foundation is no good if it's on top of the soil. And foundation is no good if it's on top of the building pieces. So my job as a husband is not to be over my wife, but to support her. So what that means is that the minute that you give your life to Vanessa Joshua, you have now become a part of her foundation, not her covering. You cover her from the bottom. I was in tears because I like, I don't want to die. I don't want, I don't, I don't. He says, well, it's, it's a little bit too late because you've now made a promise in front of all of these people that you're willing to kill yourself for her. Wait a minute, I thought it was to death do us part. He says, no, you are about to die. It's not, it's not at 80, 85, 60 years, 70 years down the road. Like, no, as soon as you say, I do, you literally have strung yourself up on this metaphorical cross and given, your, and given yourself for somebody that you call your bride. 
So it's interesting that we read the word of God and we're like, man, Jesus died. He loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. Man, it was dope. And then we want to say, like, yeah, I'm just like God. So then when God says, all right, give your only begotten, you're like, wait a minute. I'm like you, but I'm not like you like you. So then we realize that being a son, it's not a problem not being taught, but we have an identity issue. I want to be your son until it's inconvenient for me. I want the birthday presents. I want the Christmas gifts. But as soon as you want me to go out and do yard work, no, I'm straight. Okay, let me. They ain't been in the building for a minute, so we're going to catch them up to speed. So dad says, the minute that you marry this woman, you're going to die. And then he says, you no longer have ideas that are your own. He says, now you no longer live for you, but for the family that you have. And then the last thing that he said before he smoothly walked out of the room was, build the world that you want to live in. I want to make sure that you understand something today, uh, men. I love all of our women because the world would be nothing without them. Like, we have to have them in order for us to come into the world. But I want to make sure that you understand that women may run the world, but men, we build them. I'm going to prove it to you in Scripture because I know all you're like, you've been married for 10 seconds. But this word has been around for centuries. So I'm, I'm going to teach from this. I'm going to teach from this thing right here. So write this down. There is no difference between the sexes. But there are differences in the expectations of each one. There is no difference in between the sexes. They are both mighty. They are both strong. They both have equal power. And if you're a single mom, you have the ability to raise your children, but you do not have the ability to be a father. You, no, no, no. A lot of women are fuming. I have the ability to raise my son. You do, but you can't father him. You can't stand in the place of the object that's supposed to be there. That's like a screwdriver saying, I can be a hammer. No, sir, you cannot. <laughs> you, you, you can't. But when both are married together, both of their functions are together. So let me go to the word. So today I'm going to be talking about this conversation, uh, men at work. Uh, so one of the biggest things that Pastor Martin said in his teaching last week was like, what? Be about your business. Be about your business. And he, then at the end of it, he said, uh, know your work. Know your work. Know your work. Know your work. And we, we, we can teach something. I mean, sorry, we can preach something so fervently that people get goosebumps. and like, yeah, I know my work. And then Monday comes and they're like, so what am I supposed to do? Like 9 a.m. on Monday comes every week. Not like next week. It comes every week. So like we teach the word, but then, I mean, we preach the word, but we got to teach it. So I'm, I'm going to teach you today. Is that all right? So my first point that I want to make to you today is that we build worlds. I want you to write it down. And I'm talking to men. If you have a son right now, if he's playing Fortnite, go cut off the Xbox. If he's outside shooting the hoops, like, just send them the link because they need this. And the only way that I know I can say that they need this is because I needed it. And I still need it today. Yes, I might leave and cleave to my wife, but I'm still underneath the same foundation. That's my father. Okay, let's go back. So what did I say? We build what? Worlds. World defined is this. It is a place where individuals have being, where people and individuals have purpose, and where people and individuals have a function. So if you build a world with no people in it, it's a planet. Once you put people on the planet, now it is inhabited, and therefore the, 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 it has a purpose. 
So we've been trying to find life on different planets. No, no, no. We've been trying to find purpose outside of earth because we messed up what we've done here. So NASA is trying to find another earth so that we can start over. But God doesn't fix issues by just giving you a new, uh, by, by just giving you another one. He doesn't just copy and paste, start over. The way that God fixes issues is that he provides what? Solutions. So the solution to the earth is already in it, which is its inhabitants. So when we look at this world, this word world, we have to understand that worlds are inhabited by people who have the responsibility to build them, to maintain them, and to keep up with the upkeep. Can you say keep up with the upkeep? So in Genesis 1-1, right, like we have to start in the beginning. Like if you have a family tree, whatever you're dealing with in your generation, if it's an addiction, if it's you're dealing with the spirit of suicide or if you're dealing with a spirit of fornication or you, you can't keep your zipper up or whatever, it's not just yours. It started in the genesis of your family. Something was introduced to your family lineage at the beginning when your original mother and your original father met. A seed was planted in the same enemy that attacked them. It's now attacking you and it's your turn. This is what we call generational curses. It's not that the enemy is trying to like give you something new every generation. No, he's in, he is now, what he's doing, he's, he's introducing to you something old in a new way. So we have to believe that if we're here inhabiting to earth and we're good and we're bright and we're beautiful, that there has to be a good, um, an opposite to, to positive, which is what? Negative. There has to be a, 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 um, a, a difference when it comes to, to good things, which is evil. So at the same time that we're in the world trying to recreate it, there was somebody also here trying to strip it down at its foundation, which is the family. The world wasn't destroyed because the earth wasn't created correctly. The earth was destroyed because Adam was the original father and messed up everything in Genesis 1. So this identity crisis that we have with men turning into boys and boys becoming men and the men turning into fathers and fathers turning into old people, we have no recollection of it because we don't have a basis of it being done correctly. Human man, the human race does not have at the bottom a great father. Like, like, come with me, right? Right? I can't expect you to be a father if you've never seen one. So Adam was made a father, but he forgot who his example was. So the reason why the earth, are y'all checking with me? So the reason why the earth ends up failing is because Adam tried to step into a role that he was never supposed to. Adam was only supposed to be a son. But because he didn't know how to play the father role, he stepped into the role of father without any experience. So he can't father his wife because he didn't know how. Therefore, he can't father a generation coming out of him because he doesn't know how. So how can we expect our men to be on business if we don't teach them how? We build worlds. In Genesis 1 and 1 in the New Living Testament, listen to this. It says, in the beginning, what? God created the heavens and the earth. Beautiful. Everything is perfect. Like absolutely supreme. That one amazing time when you were growing up on Saturday morning and you had like two extra bowls of cereal. Like you shook the box, you're like, oh, snap, I got two bowls in here, right? Your parents were out, so you could use the big bowl and use the big spoon. And like all your cart, you found out that Looney Tunes was on a five, five-hour marathon. Like how perfect that was, that's how perfect Genesis 1 is. I'm talking to my, to my young men. Like it's, it was that perfect. But then listen to this. 
Genesis 1, 2, it says, the earth was what? Formless and what? Empty. And what? Darkness covered the deep waters. And the spirit of God was what? Hovering over the surface of the waters. The earth was formless and empty, which means that it was a planet with no purpose. What gives the planet purpose? When God creates this form called man, breathes himself into it and puts it on earth. That's the first time that God looks at something and says, now that is good. So the earth is not good unless men know their place. The earth is not good. The earth is not good by our, our, our mortality rate or by how many babies are being born. That's great. The earth is only as good as the fathers that we create. Okay, let's, Pastor Martin, you were so right. He said, it's going to be something different today, boy. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> Say formless and empty. God created a planet, but when he put you in it, it became a world. It became something to be dominated. So it says in Proverbs 23 and 7, as a man th thinks in his mind, so is what? So is he. So we have to understand something. We're supposed to build worlds correctly, right? Right? But we are all, building begins with your thought, which basically means that it should be complete in your mind before you open up your mouth. Callie uh, did a, a, a video yesterday on Instagram talking about, like, you don't have to, like, for men, like, talking to young men, like, because we have this notion that we have to have it all together in order to, like, start taking the steps to be married. And I think that's the lie that came from Adam because Adam wasn't prepared. Therefore, he didn't think that he could be with Eve, so then that way he was kicked out of Eden. Like, but when God gives you a woman, you're prepared. <laughs> when God gives you purpose, you are prepared. But I got to get my money right. No, you don't. Because the money that you get right before her is, is yours. You need to do it together so that it's y'all's. So that means that as a man, my vision is built here before I, build, before I say it here and put it together with these. Which means that as men, it is most important that you understand that it doesn't matter what situation that you're in right now, brother. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you got a baby mama that's losing her mind. It doesn't matter if you got kids out all the way outside. You know how many they are, where they are. I want to make sure that you understand something. It's not about physically what you see with your eyes, but this thing that we believe called faith, when you apply it, you're able to build the world in your mind that you want to live in physically. If I am like God, I have to say, before Martin, before I had Joshua, I had to see him at 27 doing what he's doing now. Once they become 18, you don't stop building space for your son. Woo! Say so he had assistance. God creates the world. He creates the earth. He creates all these living things. But when he's ready to make man, he says what? Let us. Which means that every man when he's created has to have a father. He must be a son. And he must have the Holy Spirit on the inside of him. I'm going to teach this word until it pisses you off. Because the one way that you get to young men is when you get them to that point where they start crying and they're ready to fight. Now I know I've touched that part. You don't coddle them. You don't ask them to do certain things nice and dainty. No, I'm going to beat this thing out of you because that's how we get it because we're men. I need some men in the room saying, because we're men. It's different for us. It's not, it's, it's not worse or better. It's not, it's not perfect, but it's different. You can't raise me like a woman and expect a man. 
And if you do, you create this cognitive dissonance inside of my brain that causes mental damage for myself that I don't know who I am. What am I supposed to do? I'm a man here, but I don't know what I think. But the word says as, as much as you think, that's who you are. So before you start touching stuff with your hands, you've got to get this right. Look at your neighbor and say, get this right. Get this right. Get this right. Get this right. We have light. We have assistance. The third thing that God had when he was creating is he had purpose. Purpose is a reason for building. I want to get married. Why? Because I want to have sex. That's not a purpose. I want to get married. Why? Because I want to build generational wealth. That's not a purpose. The purpose is what are you going to do with the wealth? The purpose is what are you going to do with the kids that come out of the 10 to 15 minutes of fun? You cannot build anything outside of purpose. So how can we expect our young boys to be men if we never teach them why they're here? You're here to be a father. Well, I don't want to be a father. It doesn't matter. Pastor Martin said it last week. You are a father. Even if you don't have kids physically, there are men that do not have the ability to progenerate and have children that are leading amazing mentoring programs, that are leading amazing opportunities in helping other young men, and they've never even met them. Some of my favorite and most amazing mentors don't even know I exist. God had purpose. This is your purpose, young man. Write this down, please, because nobody's told you or you forgot. Your purpose does a couple of different things. It either fixes a problem, builds a family, creates ideas that create wealth through business, or it searches for your own mental health. That literally means that as men, we can create the world of our own mental health in our mind. That regardless of who we run into, it doesn't matter if I get out of the car and you say that I'm under arrest, even though I know it's only because of the color of my skin, I'm not worried about the isms in the earth. In my mind, I know I'm a free man. There are some men in our church that are dealing with baby moms, and it, I, I do not understand it, and I'm not, I can't speak on it negatively. But you've seen some men that when they deal with the baby mom, and it's not all of them, because we have some great moms and some trash dads and some great dads and trash moms. Like, it's just, it just is what it is. They all are welcome here. I just want to make sure I say that because if you don't say that, people are like, oh, my God, no, I'm not, I am coming for you, but not in that way. <laughs> but the way in which you destroy him isn't by not allowing him to see his kids. The way you destroy him is by not allowing him to shape their minds. So it's not just about him being able to take them golfing and, all, and go on a walk. As he's walking with them, he's literally taking their brain and like, I don't like that. Heck no, that can't happen. Whenever this happens, you can't do that. You know what? There's some other stuff in here that I don't see, so I need to wrap you up in this thing called the Holy Spirit. This is how you pray. This is the reason why we wash ourselves twice a day. This is why you do the alcohol rinse before you do the fluoride rinse, because if you do the alcohol rinse and then brush your teeth and then do the alcohol rinse afterwards, it brushes the fluoride. Like, teaching your child how to brush his teeth creates character as a man. So what did he have before he built the world? He had light which is knowledge. He had assistance, which is help. And he had purpose, which was a reason. We build from our minds with our hands and our world, and our words for others. Say it with me. We build from our minds with our hands and our words for others. Isn't it interesting that when you look at the word of God, any man that built something great never built it for themselves? They almost forgot to build a place for themselves because they knew if I'm a father, but by the time that I make the decision to be a father, my life is over. 
The problem is when fathers try to live their lives vicariously through their sons. And now what you've done is you have stunted the growth of his purpose and tried to make sure that yours that died because you didn't do what you needed to do as a son. Now you're trying to make your son do it through your fatherhood. Well, you're going to play baseball. I don't want to play baseball. Well, I didn't get the opportunity to play baseball, so you're going to. You don't say that, but you're saying that. So when these little boys become running back into this building and they say, I want to be an astronaut, you are literally crushing his reproductive organ when you say that's not possible. Because in his world, <laughs> in his world, I'm a, I'm, I have the cure for cancer. No, you don't. Now what you've done is you've robbed the world of an idea that was built in this little boy's world. Because as a man, write this down, our job is to bring the unseen into the scene. That's our job. We good? Second point. It's going to be a little bit rocky. So, Callie, I need you to, need you to help me out. Vanessa, I need you to say it in Spanish. Every man in the room, I want you to stand up and say this next point with me. And depending on how quickly you say it will prove if you're man enough to believe that you are a Christian or not. Ready? I'm serious. Every man in here, scream at the top of your lungs, I am God. Y'all feel that? No, ladies. I'm not talking to men. I know. You're saying, I am. I run this. They know it. But ladies, how does that feel? It, feels, it, feels, it might not feel good. It might feel different. Watch this. Do it again. Say, I am God. My second point is that you are God. If a dog has a dog, it's a what? If a duck has a baby, it's a what? If a dragon has a baby, which is not real, but if a dragon has a baby, it's what? If a unicorn has a baby, it's what? So if a god has a baby, it's what? Is it? Do you need proof? Then why do we keep trying to prove to ourselves that we're not in the God class when it comes to God? You may take your seats. I'm just a lowly little servant just waiting to go to heaven. No, 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 sir. You're supposed to build heaven on earth with your words. You just said it. I am God. You are. Let also this mind that is in Christ Jesus be in me. It's not literally how God thinks I want to think like that. No, it's literally saying, God, the way in which you think, I'm going to wrap my subconscious mind with it. And now the way that you think is how I think. Look at your neighbor and say, you are God. There is a huge identity crisis in the church. We forget that we are just, we forget that we're not just like God, but that we are God incarnate. Let me prove it to you. Because when you look at me, people say, man, you look just like your father. And if you've ever asked me or said that to me in public and you really know me, Joshua, not PJ, but Joshua, what do I say? Duh. Duh, I am Martin. And I'm also LJ. And I'm also my, my Papa Wilcher. I'm all the men that have come up. I'm all of them at the same time. I'm like a Negro uh, 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 airbender, avatar. I'm all of them, earth, wind, fire. Like I'm, I'm it. I'm everything. So then that means if at the beginning of all of our genesis is this father called God, then you are all of everybody in your past and him, which means, therefore, you are in the God class. So why do we keep trying to tell ourselves that we're not? God, I just want to serve you the word of God says something a little bit different. Listen to this. In Psalms 8.5, I'm going to lead it to you in the NIV. It says what? You have made him a little lower than the what? Angels. And crowned them with glory and honor. <clears throat> ESV. 
Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. <clears throat> Incorrect. You are not made lower than angels. How in the world could God make you lower than angels when he made you before they existed? How does God make, he made you second, then the angels came. So therefore you can't be made after them, you were the firstborn. Now we have the New Living Translation. Now listen to this. It says, yet you have made him a little bit lower than what? Heavenly beings. <clears throat> Jesus was born of a woman. Write this down. Which means that he experienced everything as a man. We have to, we have to assume this. He experienced frustration. He was aggravated. It said to the point that Jesus was so frustrated that, that the man was sweating and crying blood. He was all man, but he was also what? All God at the same time. Which means that at the same time that Jesus, had, we have to assume, was experiencing sexual frustration. How could you say that? That's disrespectful. But he was human. How much do we destroy our boys when they have human feelings? Dad, I desire sex. That's dirty. You should never talk about sex. What, whoa, wait a minute. You have to give it purpose. Because anything coming out of your son's mouth or your husband's mouth might sound crazy, but you're there to be a helper. So if you build purpose for his words, then nothing that comes out of his mouth is crazy. So we begin to translate the word of God. This is the reason why you have so many translations and people have their favorite translation because they don't want to hear the truth. Because the word of God that I read in Psalms 8.5 says that you have been made a little bit lower than God himself. But sometimes when you look at your identity in the mirror and you see your father, it can scare the heck out of you. So then we teach our boys to see themselves in the mirror, in the mirror rather than seeing their godfather in the mirror. When I look in the mirror, I don't see Joshua. I see Martin. <laughs> when I look in the mirror, I see my son as a father. Like I, already, like I see all of it. And the only way that I can say, Joshua, you're going to have a great day is if I say, I'm not going to tell you his name because we already have it, but that's none of your business until he's here. Right? I say insert name here, you are a father and you are just like me. The way in which we destroy the world is by making these young boys think that they have to father and start over. All I'm doing is carrying out, once I have children, I'm carrying out the tradition of fathering. So I don't have to be a father. I'm not responsible for being a father. I already am because the men before me have already set the precedence of this is what we do. But if you don't have that in your family, I cannot expect you to be a father because it's not in your DNA. It may not be in your DNA physically, but it's in your DNA spiritually because you have this man called Jesus, this man called God, who is the father. That if you don't have a physical representation, you have a spiritual one. Which is why it is even more important that if you don't have any examples with your natural eyes of fathers, you have to have a vision of your father in your mind. Jesus was all God and all man. And when he was on earth, he didn't have to choose in between which part he wanted to play. He was both at the same time. Which means at the same time that you go and you chastise the school board for sitting your child out, and all you fathers that are real fathers that really understand it, you know, because you walked up to the school in blind fury. All you saw was red. You don't even care what he did. You walked in there ready to air that thing out. At the same time that you were talking to those teachers, you were also spiritually praying over your son. This moment is not going to shape your world. Because what happens is, is how a man acts at two is cute at four. It's a crime at 15. It will put him in jail at 18 and get him killed at 26. 
if we do not do our job as men in pruning their minds while they're young. Because pruning your mind at two hurts a lot less than trying to prune the mind of somebody that's 50. You want me to prove it to you? It's the reason why some men that are at this church are crying on the altar because something that happened to them or with them at three, nobody paid attention in creating and shaping the world. They saw their minds growing up, and you see it right now in your three-year-old, your four-year-old, your 12-year-old. The word of God says, do not spare the rod. It's not to beat your children, but it's literally to drive out what is in their thinking that should not be there. So I'm not spanking you right now because you're two. I'm spanking you right now because at some point in time, you're going to have children, and those children are going to have children. If I don't take care of how you think right now at two, when you have two generations, they're going to think just like you. So what can happen is that a little boy can stub his toe at two, and that is the reason why his world isn't able to be created. Because I want to let you know something. A carpenter is only as good as his hands. So men are only as good as they are able to think. Young man, right now, if you're, if you're listening to me, if you come to this church and you are dealing with a mental issue, if you're dealing with mental illness, listen, prayer is great, but sometimes it's not enough. Please hear what I'm saying. Prayer is sufficient. Prayer does what it needs to. But if, if, it, if there is a young man in this church that is dealing with something mentally, bringing him to the altar may not be all that he needs. He might need somebody to literally talk to him. I need some men to support me. I need some men to support me. He might need a man to sit there and talk to him. I know that you were touched outside of your own physicality when you were little. That does not make you who you are. We're going to pray, but I'm going to lay my hands on you and speak to you as the father that you are. Men, we cannot cover every single issue with our sons with prayer. We have to practice with them. We have to give them provision. We need to lay our hands on them and practice. This is why they say in medicine, you practice. My dad prays over me, but at the same time, he puts his hand on my head and he tells me who I am. If you want to come to this church and become a man, your prayer life is extremely important, but your mental health is your responsibility. We help you get there. So that means that men, when you start coming back to this church, I know COVID is going to be a little bit different. We can't be snatching kids up. But one of the most amazing things about AWC's culture is that men father kids that ain't theirs in these hallways. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. Don't talk to mommy like that. Excuse me, sir. Uh, no, 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 sir. Pull your pants up. And the way that you destroy the, the, the little boy's mind is when you protect him from men that want to help him. The way you destroy your sons is by limiting their ability to have conference with other men. You can't see your father. You have now just destroyed his ability to be a father. Well, he's a drunk. Then create parameters. Make dude come to your house after he's three days sober. But he has to see this boy. Because that's the only way that the boy will learn how to be a man. You cannot teach him, ma'am. I'm sorry. You can't. But you can allow him to have experiences with other men that can show him. My mom taught me how to tie my shoes. Love you, mom. It was great. But my dad didn't just teach me how to tie my shoes. He taught me that when you tie your shoes, you take care of the shoe. That way, the life of the shoe, you get more years out of it. And that way, you don't have to go buying strings. Because if you don't end up tying your shoes, you're going to end up spending more money on the, tennis, uh, on, the, on the strings than the shoes. So this saves you money. Fathers do that. I'm going to teach you how to ride this bike. Oh, he learns how to ride the bike. No, no. What you've done is you've taught your son balance. You've taught your son how to think, see, have vision, be aware, and follow behind him all at the same time. You're teaching him skills that only you can do as a man. And if you're about your business, you'll see these milestones as things that you have to hit. Because teaching me how to ride a bike at 27 means a heck of a lot less than it did when I was three. Because what you're teaching your son, I don't know why I'm stuck. 
What you're teaching your son when you're with him isn't how to ride a bike. You're teaching him that regardless of where you go, I'm here. It, do, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter where you go. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I don't believe that any man should experience first without his father. If I have a son and he has a first without me, I am going to be that word. Excuse me? Somebody else took you on a roller coaster before me? Oh, I'll be messed up, which means that I have to use the first 10 years of my life making sure he sees everything I want him to see. So it's not just about me making him. It's about me helping him create his world. When you take your son on vacation and you show him the million-dollar houses here in Omaha, you're not showing something that he can't have. You're showing him something that he can only obtain with you in his life. I have to show you what it's like. Those of you as men that don't want to show your sons where you came from, you have robbed him of his ability to be a father. He has to see where you didn't have food. He has to see literally where you got beat up. He has to hear about your testimony that took your masculinity. Can we talk? Because what happened to you, old sir, is going to come to him. It might not physically happen to him, but the same mind that's in you is going to be in him. If we believe that the same mind that's in Christ is going to be in us, I have to assume that sometimes the enemies that I'm fighting are not mine, but they're my dad's. That he defeated, but now it's my turn to play with them. So you create the world of your son by spending time. Just spend some, y'all remember those movies? I hate those movies. He just wants you to come over and spend time. You mean to tell me that you can lay with somebody and have a baby? Go to the hospital, do the test. Go on Maury and humiliate yourself in front of 10 million people. I love that show, but it's, 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 it's sadistic. Then she pops out the baby with your last name on the birth certificate. You look at the child and say, like, no, that ain't me, son. What? Like, it, that's not my baby. What do you mean that's not, that baby literally has your DNA. How dare we abandon our boys and then blame them for being in gangs and then blame them for not having money and then blame them for having children out of wedlock. You're just terrible. No, no, no. You've left your post and you didn't know what your business was. Okay. Let me, let me, let me move on. Genesis 126. I'm still on my second point. I should probably break this down and, and go to two weeks. Then God said what? Let us make man in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and all that good stuff. Verse 27, listen to this. So God created human beings in what? His own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Let's break down this difference between image and likeness, because you talk about this. God made me in his image, and I'm supposed to be like God. Image is a representation of an external form of a person or thing in art. An image is something that you create to express the representation of how you think. So when you look at your son, you say, like, wow, you look like your daddy. He is the literal interpretation and representation of his father. So if you see things in him that you do not like, you might want to question who you sleep with. Because the boy isn't bad. He's just his father. Boy, you just lie. Did he, did he, was he, was he, did he? Boy, you just messy. Was he, did he, is he, was he, shall he be, will he be? Boy, you just put your hands on everybody. Like, you just have so much angry. What was, 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 was he? They don't even breed horses that don't have the ability to, like, run straight lines. 
A horse can be in tip-top shape, run the fastest ever, be the most beautiful pearlescent black or white. When you look at it, it looks clear. But if it can't run in a straight line, that horse is no good because they know the only reason why I have you is to breed more horses. But if you can't run straight, the horses that I breed from you won't run straight. So you know what? I'm not going to procreate with you. So there is a responsibility of who you lay with. So when you look at your son, don't chastise him for the, what he is displaying because it's not him. He is just representing the manufacturer's image. Let's go to likeness. Likeness is the fact or quality of being alike. It's the resemblance through interpretation. We get so, like, we get so caught up in the image. I look like God. You just screamed it out. I am God. But then what about his likeness? Do you act like God? Yeah. Sir, do you plan or do you just spend money because you're trying to make people look at the thing that you bought rather than? I don't, I'm not looking for the women to respond. I'm looking at the men that are quiet. And also you, sir, that's eating Frosted Flakes right now. I feel you in my spirit. You're eating it with chocolate milk right there. I see you. Are you like God? Do you only start things that you know that you can finish? Do you have a closet that is empty? Do you tell the truth? Do you keep your word? Do you manipulate? Because you can, you can look like God and not be his son. Yes. Means that you look like me, but that's not, you're not like, you look like me, but you're not like me. That's why we have some men that have sons that they never talk about. Oh, we going. That's your son. Yeah, he looks like me, but he's not like me. So what do we say to God when we are looking like him, but we don't act like him? Sir, you say something when you've never finished anything. Sir, your life says something when you keep telling people that you want to do something, but you never do it. It's not that we don't want you to achieve it. It means that you really don't want it. Yes, I do. I talk about it all the time. But remember, talking about it isn't anything. you got to build it in your mind and see it finished. We don't want to just look like him. We want to act like him. Genesis 1.26, New Living Testament. It says, God creates earth and the environment and creates a place for Adam to do his thing. Absolutely awesome. Then the 31st verse, God looks over all that he made and he says that it is good. Listen to this. God called the rest of creation good after man was created. God creates everything. It's, it's great. But then once he makes man, he's like, okay, now everything is good because man knows his place. He knows his purpose, and he knows how to use his skills. Next, number three, solve the problem. Can you say that with me? Solve the problem. There is a difference between fixing a problem and providing a solution. In John 3.16 in the New Living Testament, which is so important why you read the right translation, listen to this. Remember John 3.16, what it said? So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life and blah, 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 right? But listen to this in the New Living Translation. It says for, underline this, this is how God loved the world. God loved the world by giving his son. To what? Something that was bigger than his son. So the way in which you saved the world, sir, because all of us wanted to be Superman. I don't know any person that didn't want to be Superman. I loved watching those TV shows. I wanted to be Superman, and I thought I was supposed to save the world by saving it. Men, we save the world by providing solutions, which is our, hus uh, which is our wives and our children. You want to fix a problem, have some kids and teach them how to take over the world. Now what you've done is you've recreated how you think four times over. So now you can literally go into seven or five different mountains. Because like in the word of God, how they knew that a man had power was by how many children he had. 
because how many children you had spoke to how many, how many times you could stretch over a parcel of land. Which is why, men, we have seed on the inside of us that needs to be planted with intentionality, not just sowing royal oats. Because what happens is, is that you will have a child and you'll be ruling in a domain that you didn't want. Okay, let me, I see you, pops, I see you. We are solution-oriented. The best gift that you can give the world is what you create, sir. That's the best gift that you can create. That's the best gift that you can give the world. That comes through your family. That comes through business. That comes through you creating mental space for other men to figure out who they are. The most important thing that I can do as a man is give other men the opportunity to know what I know. The best thing I can do as a man is when I'm with your, this is why I ask people like, hey, I want you to take my son out to eat and I want you to take my son to get a haircut. I'm like, no, you don't because we're not going to go just get a haircut. I'm going to strip him down to his core. Who are you? It's not just getting a haircut. Sir, we are literally building a spaceship that's going to carry you to whatever future it is. I ain't got time to be playing this game where you hurt my son's feeling. Duh. How do you think these guys made to the NFL? Do you think that they were in seventh grade? Like, now remember, we're only going to wear helmets. Now make sure you don't make huge contact. No. At seven years old, you're like, light that man up. What you mean? Take that man's head off. Why? Because when the world comes at you, it's not going to say, now ready, here I come. I'm ready to tackle you. The world is going to come at your son's head as fast as he's running. So why not teach our children and our men and our boys to kill everything in sight? That's what happened with David. David walked up on Goliath. He said, who the... He said, he said, who is this? Who, who is this uncir uncircumcised Philistine is the F word at that time. He said, who is this? My daddy taught me, man, I'm going to kill this fool. And I, you said the king is going to give somebody money and his daughter? He said, say less. Say less. We need to start creating some men that when they see a problem, they're like, hunger is a problem? Oh, bet. I can go give my life to that. Oh, fatherless. Oh, you don't think that I could be a father? I'm, I'm going to prove you wrong by having these kids and raising them until I'm dead. Oh, you said mental health is a problem? Boy, you, you, you've never seen me with this slingshot. I killed a lion and a bear, and I can kill poverty with it too. I killed a lion and a bear, and I can kill sexual pornography, that whole addiction. I can kill that thing. What if we started to equip our boys? With this ability to kill everything and the power to raise things back to life that they didn't mean to kill. Oh, my bad. In Jesus' name, come back to life in Jesus' name. Your son is a son by the way that he smells. If your son walks in the house and you never say, boy, you need to go take a shower, you're not raising a boy. Our feet smell because they smell like where we've been. Our bodies smell because of this thing called sweat. God didn't give man toil, which means working and not having anything to show for it. He gave him work. It's the reason why I love going to the gym and lifting objects that are two, three, four times my size. It's not to get bigger. It's to prove to myself, oh, 450 pounds felt kind of light today. I remember when picking up the bar was too much. But now I can put this whole building on my back. Because what God wants you to understand, young man, is that he's not just building for you. He lays you down underneath the ground, and he builds this thing called a family on top of you. You are the foundation. Come on, somebody say, I am the foundation. Some of y'all are going to walk with a different boldness when you wake up. You're going to wake up and be like, wait a minute. You mean that corner office with the person who's supposed to be my boss can be mine? 
Time out. You mean I can take $1 over here and invest it over here and get $2 back and then I can do that over here and buy a property and I can do that? I can do that? And I can do that before I'm married so that when I marry my wife, I can take her into our house rather than an apartment? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So the part about being a man isn't just marrying her. The part is what I can give her after I say I do. Woo! Baby, this is why we get it that way. This is why people are like, man, great job for buying a house. We bought the house two years ago. The money for the down payment was already saved because the way in which I prepared for our marriage was telling her, I'm going to marry you, but this is where I think we're supposed to live. But the only way I was able to do that with Vanessa is because my dad did it with me, with my mom. This is why we live here. Because your mom cannot be the woman that she wants to be if she always has to work on surviving. The way you know that a man has created a solution is looking at his family, not him. So, sir, if you have 10 issues but your babies lead Similac, you were wrong. If you can count to the number 24 by how many J's that you have, but your baby doesn't know their ABCs, you are wrong. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Jesus. Look at your neighbor. Say, I am at work. I am at work. You're just never at home. You're never at home. I'm providing. It's my job. Why would you make it comfortable for your son to be in his room playing Xbox all day? You need to get a job. And if it's not a job, you need to go learn a viable skill from somebody. Then I'm going to teach you how to save the money that you earn so that you can buy something later rather than what you want to buy now. I know the car is pretty. Joshua, I know the shoes are pretty. Joshua, I know that the Apple iWatch is, is great. But what I'm going to show you is how you can buy a company and not buy a compartment. I, I'm going to show you how you buy and build a world rather than having to think, well, you know, we got to go to McDonald's, but you can only order off the dollar menu. Why not be able to walk up into McDonald's with a gold card and be like, get whatever you want? Look at your neighbor, man. Say, I build worlds. Fixing the problem cheats the world out of your solution. Which is why abortion doesn't fix a problem. You cannot be a Christian and have an opinion about abortion. On the other hand, we know that sometimes it's the mother's life or the baby's life. Totally understand it's her body. She makes the decision. But based off of the word of God, every child that is aborted is a solution to a problem that is not going to be fulfilled once you take him out. But did you know that you can abort your son even physically when you tell them that he can't do what he thinks he can do? Do you know that you tell your son that you have literally sucked him out of the womb of God and thrown him in the trash when he tells you, Dad, I want to do X, Y, Z. I don't know. You've literally taken him out of the womb and aborted the life that God has given him. God created life when he took his son out of his womb and placed him in the womb of the earth. He didn't throw him in the trash. The way that Jesus took care of the problem on earth wasn't by fixing the earth. He didn't just take an eraser and say, you know what, we're just going to start all over. He says, no, the way in which I fix this problem is by giving it a solution, which is my son. Sir, if you have a son right now that you're questioning, man, he's just terrible. I don't know where he is. I don't know who he is. Stop looking at him as a problem and look at him as the solution to a problem that you are going to groom him for. That is your job as a father. That is my job as a son is when I'm with Kylan's kids, whatever Kylan does at his house, you should not let me have his kids if I do not father them the same way that he does at the house. You cannot have candy before you eat your dinner, Isaiah. If he's with me and I give him candy, what I have told him is that I'm your daddy now. I can't take that role. I have to do this one thing. Look at me. Say support. We support men by supporting other men's men. 
So if I'm a man and I see your son running around here and I don't correct him, that tells me that I don't respect you or the dream that you're building. These secret societies, this 1% that we also hate, they're doing it correctly. They understand something. Kylan has a kid and has a baby. Isaiah grows up to be Kylan's age. Kylan's built a business that takes care of him and built something for his son. His son is to do the same thing but two times over. Now that Isaiah's done it, he's created four different opportunities to do what his father did before. Now, after Kylan's dead, Isaiah takes his father's bones into this next place, and once he dies, the other four create a double, a double occupancy, which is now 16. So what we are supposed to do is procreate. It's not just having a baby. It's creating worlds within worlds that take care of one another. That's how it works. Look at your neighbor and say, that's how it works. So here it is, number five, and this is my close. Number five. Number five. I'm going to skip number four because I'm going to get stuck. Number five, create the blueprint. So some of y'all might be sitting there watching right now, and you're like, that sounds all good and well. You said, you know, I am like God, and you said that I can do all these great things, but you can't build anything without a blueprint. Because you can, what did I say? You can have light. You, 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 I'm sorry, you can have light, you can have assistance, you can have purpose, but if you don't have a blueprint, you don't know what you're building. So, so, so let me share with you. Young man, what matters to you? The thing that you're creating in your mind, this world that you're trying to create, isn't like Minecraft. It's not like Fortnite when you just build something out of, you know, sticks and stones. The world that you create solves a problem that God put in your heart. So Anthony, the question is, what makes you cry? Build a world around that. Like, lean in. Because some of you are men that are 50, 60, 70, 45, 30 years old that never knew that the world that you were building wasn't the one that you really wanted to live in. So what matters to you? When you see it, your heart breaks. When you see it, you, ex- you become extremely excited. Sir, that thing that your son talks about all the time isn't just something he's addicted to. It might be the only thing that God placed on his heart. People literally make millions of dollars streaming on Twitch playing Xbox. Instead of telling him to come out of his room, maybe play with him. I don't like video games. It's not, you died when you got married, sir. You died when you had a child. Therefore, you have no, like, you have no opinion. How about you help him build the world? Warren Buffett started as a newspaper company, but they never talk about how his father gave him the first 10 cents to buy his first couple of newspapers. And then drove him in his car before he could buy his own bike. He said, you're going to sell newspapers, but I just want to be with my son. So look at your son. Look at you as a man in the mirror and ask this question. What matters to you? Because it's definitely not putting nine to five hours for somebody that you don't like. It's definitely not the world that you want. You want to know how I know it's not the world that you want? Because you hate doing it. The world that you build for yourself, you should want to live in it. The second thing that should be a part of your blueprint should be this question. What are your values and your morals? What do you believe? This is why at some point in time, men, you got to stop making your children come to church because now he's fulfilling a requirement rather than having a heart check. We going to church. I don't want to go to church. Sometimes we don't want to do certain things because our fathers want it so bad for us that we don't want it for ourselves. What are your morals, son? Well, I love Jesus, but why? Well, because you told me to. That's not good enough. Because even if that's your answer at the pearly gates, God's going to say what? Depart from me, for I never knew you. The word of God says that you have to know without a shadow of a doubt that he gave his life. So, sir, 
young man, little boy, like what, what are your morals? What are your values? What do you do when daddy's not there? Who are you in the dark? Who are you when you go and spend the night at your friend's house? Who are you when you're on the football team and little Timmy's being bullied and daddy taught you, we don't do this, we stand up for injustice. Do you sit there and be quiet? Because if you're sitting there and being quiet, you're building a world for yourself where nobody will ever come to advocate for you. Next question is this, what is one thing that you're good at? At some point in time in the church, we're going to stop discrediting little boys for things that they love to do. I love it when, uh, when um, Mr. Eric Jordan, his son, was, like, playing with rubber bands. And, like, being totally honest, I mean, we're boys. We play with Tonka. Like, right? And, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Harrison started doing these rubber bands. And he was, like, building things with them. And I, I had to apologize to him because I was talking to his mom one day at one of these events here in the city. And this boy sold out of his rubber bands before I sold out of T-shirts. Because he was doing something that he loved. If you love something, the expense of being able to fuel it won't scare you. If you're building a business in what you love, the money that you lose is just an opportunity. But if you're working at a nine to five that you hate, you'll look at every hour at your at that job like, what the heck am I doing? Like, like when you are in purpose, there's no such thing as a loss. That's what it means. So if your son loves to pick up the poop in the yard, don't tell him that's dirty. Help him build a business. Because if I had a dog, I would pay him to do it. The reason why I allow Chris to cut my grass is because I believe that inside of him is a generation of men that are going to do even bigger things than what he does. I'm not investing in Chris Green. What I'm investing in is in the equivalent of a John Deere that comes through him. You invest in their dream when you tell them that what they're thinking isn't stupid. What if Michael Jordan's mom would have told him, like, yeah, this ain't going to be it. This boy was cut from his high school senior team. But what do his parents do? You're going to play in the NBA. Feed the dream. Don't feed the reality. Because nine times out of ten, what you see ain't what it is. So what are you doing it for? Look at, your, look at the man next to, you, next to you and say, what are you doing it for? What are you good at? God thinks with himself. Then God builds a world. He makes man and gives him his work and a woman and his purpose at the same time. And then God also has rest. One way that you know that you are advancing as a man is if you have peace and rest. If you have no peace and you have no rest, you're not advancing. Sir, you've been turmoiled. You've been tormented by these things in your head. You're trying to figure out how am I going to make ends meet? How, how am I going to make ends meet? If you were anything other than perfect, you're not fulfilling the will of God for your life. Because we believe here at Ambassadors Worship Center, AWC, AWC Nation, that love, hope, dominion, and power, and peace is for every person. There is a man that's watching this right now. There's a young boy that's even in this room or a young, young adult that's watching us right now who does not have peace in their mind because they are living in a world that they didn't create for themselves. But what I want you to understand today is that if when we're in this series that you're a man at work. It's time to get to work. Look at the man next to you. It's time to get to work. It's time to get to work. It's time to get to work. Well, I want to practice. The only way that you get good in the game is by playing in the game. Because what happens in this practice is you keep siding up against the same guy. I was playing football, and I kept siding up against this guy. Uh, I won't tell you his name. His name was Kyle Pratt. Sorry, Kyle. I love you to death. Kyle was smaller than me, but he was stronger than I was. And uh, every day at practice, I would learn better and better and better how to, like, counteract his defense because I was an offensive lineman. 
And then it happened where I was like, at practice, I was dominating in practice. Then the game came and I realized, wow, I'm not playing against Kyle Pratt. I'm going against these cornbread eating Millard West boys. Like these boys are in the 11th grade and they look like Ethan, Caleb and Seth and Mr. Chris and all of their, but this big guys, all of them put together in one man. This man got a full beard at 15. Where'd you get this beard from, sir? So I realized that how I practice means absolutely nothing if I'm not given the opportunity to practice it in real life. Men, the way in which we allow our young boys and young men and older men, the way in which you build a life that you want is if you build space for yourself in the world that you're building. So many people have told you that it's your responsibility. You don't matter. After my father told me what he told me in the back room, he says, Joshua, build the world that you want to build. Build the world that you want to live in yourself. The world means absolutely nothing if you don't build a place in it for yourself. So here's the last part. Here's my last point. Can somebody say lay down? It's point number six. John 15, 13, listen to this. It says, greater love has no one than this. To do what? Lay down one's life for one's friends. What we understand is that Jesus lays his life down. So this story of like Jesus was crucified. He wasn't crucified. The act of him being strung up was crucifixion, but he wasn't crucified. He laid his life down. So when my dad starts to connect me with like slavery and people in my family, in our family were lynched because they like people thought that they stole an egg. In my family. People in my family were, were literally sexually abused because they said that you stole the good silver. But what my father taught me is that when they were being strung up, they weren't lynched, but they literally gave their life so that you can live. Sir, you're here because somebody laid down their life. <laughs> somebody laid down his life for you, sir, you. His name was Jesus. But listen to this, this is my last point. Is this good, we all right? The Hebrew word for friend means shaver. It means it's S-H-A-V-E-R. Isn't that kind of ironic, shaver? <laughs> okay, sorry. The Hebrew word for friend is shaver. In the Hebrew, it means friend, but the definition means companion, close one, and building partner. <laughs> so when we look at John 15 and it says, greater love, there's no greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. It means that when Jesus died, he didn't just give you this opportunity to have free life. He gave you an opportunity to be a partner in building a better world. <laughs> Which means that, sir, what you see on the television, if your son, like, uncontrollably cries when he sees somebody that's homeless, it's not because he's a sissy or he's a punk. It means his heart is like, I can fix that problem. Your son is, or you, sir, are, like, infatuated with pimples. You know there's this lady called Dr. Pimple Popper that makes millions of dollars just popping pimples and cysts. Sir, what grosses other people out might be the provision that you need to follow for your family to set them free. But you got to lay down. Somebody say lay down. Jesus decides, I'm going to give my life. God, there's a problem on earth, and the way in which I fix this problem isn't by just cleaning it. God, I desire to be the solution. Right there where you are, Wherever you are, even if you're in this room, there are some men that you know that you're the, the solution and you want to re-up and say, I'm the solution again today. But 
there's also some men today that through the power of the Holy Spirit has been revealed to you that it is your responsibility to build worlds. I want you to respond to this wherever you are, wherever you are. If you're in the kitchen, if you're here in the purple seat, I want you to stand, I want you to kneel, and let's create presence so that we can lay down our lives so that God can build something on top of it. Your world is first built through your relationship through worship. Before you think something, you got to worship so that God can give you revelation. So here it is. Jesus lays down his life for his friends so that they can help him build. Sir, a part of your business is to build a world that creates life for other people. Your job as a man is to build a world that gives other men the ability to be men. And AWC, you want to know something else, AWC men? Our job is to chastise, to teach, to snatch up, to clear up, to father, to discipline, to take care of, to advocate for, to protect, to bring with us, to show, to exemplify every single male that walks through that door, it is our responsibility to father them. Now, before we move forward, I want to know some men that you take that as your prerogative. Come on, let, let, let's stand for it. God, like, I'm creating a space. Come on, don't talk to me. Talk to God. Like, I'm creating a space for another man to be who he is. I'm creating a space for another man to know what his business is. God, I'm at work. I'm a man at work today. God, I'm putting on my hard hat. I'm picking up my nails. I'm picking up my hammer. And I'm going to build a world that I want to live in. God, today, we give men permission to not live in a world that was built for them, but for them to look at their life and build what you've shown them through vision. Come on, men, open up your mouth. Open up your mouth. Come on, let's cover our boys. Cover yourself. Come on, cover your father even if he's not well. Cover your father even if he's passed away. Your uncles, your son that you haven't seen. Come on, lift it up in worship. Come on. I'm creating a world for you. I'm creating space for you to thrive.